All right, everybody, welcome to another installment of the No Heels Innovation Crush podcast. Uh, and this is Fast Company Fridays. The The heels joke was a very inside joke. You guys have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about, but um, I'll explain it to you later. Right now, I'm here with Casey Ifini. Nailed it. Did I? Yeah. I did good. I wrote it I wrote it down phonetically. My mom would be proud. You, oh, good. You're doing the I Nigerian made your mother ancestors. proud. This is Listen. this is we're starting off great. You're doing the Nigerian ancestors proud right now. Yeah. Oh, cool. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to Nigeria, you guys. <laughs> you heard it here first. What does the KC stand for? Oh my God. Do you really want to know? Yes. That's the yeah. Kainane Chuku. Yep, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that, on that note, no, you have a show here that uh, that focuses on creative individuals mm-hmm. and their processes and methods and hurdles. Correct. Right. Yes. Um, how did that come to be? Where? Uh, why are you the guy for that? Well, I've been with Fast Company now for oof, a grand total of seven years. And so, yeah, and it, my, my beat here has always been uh, creativity, entertainment. At one point, we had a vertical on the site called Co-Create, which was focusing a lot on advertising and uh, brands and, you know, how basically how companies are trying to reach people with their message in innovative and creative ways. And so it's something that I've been covering here at Fast Company for a while. And, you know, when we decided to do podcasts, we're like productivity and creativity are two things that we talk a lot about at the magazine. And so I kind of became the guy. And plus, you know, I heard my voice is pleasing to some people. So, you know, that helps. You didn't hear my, it from me. My voice, not my face. <laughs> so that's why. <what> <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it strange, like, kind of jumping from, you know, written editorial to, to audio? Not even, because I think it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, you know, because at that fast company I've done, I've done, you know, print and digital and done a little on camera work and audio is one thing that I never really got to touch. And so when I got the opportunity to, I just treated it like having a conversation. I mean, it's right. just an interview that I do all the time with people. So it was great. And I, and I, I love that dynamic of like being in the room with someone and, you know, really kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of someone's creative process. It was, it's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, it wasn't, it didn't feel weird at all. That's cool. Um, I have a, a long list I'm going to read from. Oh, man. Killer Mike, Paul Shear, mm-hmm. uh, Tracy Ullman, Roman Coppola. Yep. <laughs> um, this is just a short list of people that have you in common. Um, what's one, like the most common thing that pops up in those conversations? Oh, man. I would say, oh, I feel like people, the the main creative problem that I think a lot of people have is just that idea of, of hitting that mental block, like staring at the blank page. That's something that a lot of people across all disciplines, because all the people you named, I mean, you have musicians, you have actors, you have writers, and everybody faces that fear of the blank page. Like, what do you do when you just right. can't think of anything? And yeah, so it's been really interesting trying to uncover just really trying to dig into like why that why that happens and other solutions other than like oh I just close my laptop and you know take a quick walk or something that's nice <laughs> and that may work that's but tea. no because right. I, I just I always want to push them push a little past that because I'm like that yeah we always hear that but it's like does it does it really work <laughs> like you know yeah. is there something is there something deeper going on so yeah I think that that's been the most uh, that's been the one thing that I think everyone's had in common and then that like is that keep going like what's the what's the answer. <sighs> 
That's the thing. I mean, that's what I'm trying to find out too, because, like, you know, I, me personally, you know, whenever I hit that that blank page, um, to some degree, that does help. Like, you know, kind of setting it aside and just letting just letting your mind wander on something else. But yeah, I think for, it's just di- different different answers for different people. I think you know, a lot of times for me, it really is um, less about doing something, less about just like taking a stroll or something. But I, it's more so like focusing on doing something else like I will I will start working on another story or another like I I want to keep my mind busy because yeah. I feel like if I just let my mind wander then it's just uh, listen I have like undiagnosed ADD like I will just go on some <laughs> mental rabbit hole so I just need to stay somewhat in the realm of the task so if I was stuck on a story I start working on another story or I start like transcribing interviews or doing something because I, I know I know me and I know like I'll wind up, you know, I don't know. Like well, the, you make a great point though. It's, it's your personal process, mm-hmm. right? Like, exactly. I, like when I started Innovation Crush, one of the, I know myself well enough that I was like, if I record one and schedule a time to go back next week and then schedule another time to go back the next week, it, like I won't do it. Yeah. Right. I'll get, I'll have one episode done. Right. And so the first day of production, I locked myself in the studio and I did six episodes back to back. Right. And I was doing a weekly show. So I was like, it allowed me the ability to put out, you know, I had six weeks worth of wiggle room mm-hmm. to recalibrate, rethink what, you know, how do I take a conversation in a different direction? Did that thing work or did it not work? Um, but also, you know, uh, just looking at the, I guess the creative blocks that happen across multiple industries, mm-hmm. right? I think sometimes we reserve creativity to the creative quotation marks. Right. Um, but I, I believe that they're like, whether you're a doctor and I've had medical people on the show, or you might be a kid who wrote a book. Like there's all, all sorts of different disciplines where creativity shows up. It just doesn't show up the way we commonly register. It. Exactly. Um, what have you seen sort of the audience take away from some of these conversations, especially like with a fast company and it's very like a little bit more business savvy, mm-hmm. you know, audience. I think it's, it's actually just what you said, because I think when you when people realize that creative problems aren't just for the quote unquote creative set because i think or even or even when it comes from the creative set there's people who are more business minded who can who can extract things out of that you know so that's why you know even even someone you can have like a very specific creative problem but i've found that i've had people you know readers come up to me saying like oh wow you know i listen to you know that podcast you did with like Paul Shear and like that that was a really interesting one because I mean this man is doing you know he's he's an actor he's writing he has his own podcast like he's doing all of these different things and just like kind of juggling all in the realm of entertainment but someone was like oh yeah no like I really I really got in like tips on you know how to balance things and like you know it's okay to kind of drop drop a ball that you're juggling every yeah. once in a while and how do you pick it back up and so I think that that's kind of been really interesting because like you said our readers are mostly in the business startup entrepreneurial space uh, but they've been able to glean a lot from these uh, like entertainers really yeah you know, that they can they understand that creativity is you know cross-discipline and the creative problems are not just siloed into just the creative realm, you know. Do you find that, you know, sometimes it's also just trusting the invisible process? And mm-hmm. by that, I mean, you know, I'll give you an example. I had to give a talk last week and I had some ideas swirling around in my head, but every time I sat down to do it, I was like, no, I'm not there yet. Right. I turned it in the day before I was on stage. <laughs> so, um, but I was, but I was also like, I, 
part of me was like nervous and anxious, and then the other part was like, you got like you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all you you have it all in you. Yeah. It's just you have to wait, you know, you have to be patient with yourself to to completely have it come out. Yeah. No, I think that that's entirely true. I, th- I feel like a lot of the times the problems are it's even the bulk of it is just psychological. You know, right. it's just a matter of you th- just tr- either putting too much pressure on yourself to push past it. And I think it is coming down to just trusting that trusting the invisible process, like knowing that, you know, figuring out what works for you, because as we mentioned before, I think it's, you know, these are all personalized um, these are all personalized solutions to your problems, but I do think it is like I think a lot of people put too much pressure on themselves to either get out of that rut or you know finish some assignment. Yes, deadlines should be respected, obviously, but you know. <laughs> like, Sorry, I'm too much like, late. I, I was, was gonna uh, <laughs> see what happened. Like I went for a walk, so like you know, like <laughs> I closed my laptop. See, and, like I didn't come back for two months. All right, but like it's um. Wait, who's this sitting at my desk? <laughs> But yeah, I think it's, it's it is completely just not just trust trusting the invisible process. I like the way you put that because yeah, I do think people put way too much pressure on themselves sometimes, and it's just a matter of figuring out what that process is and then trusting it. So yeah, I also think that like there's this uh, a collective. So when you when you look at the audience, right, who are more business oriented, mm-hmm. um, you know, creativity as an organization. Is you know if I look at a Paul Shear, mm-hmm. Paul Shear is a, I can equate him to a company. Exactly, right? we have these eighteen different projects exactly. going on, and a new service we're launching, mm-hmm. and we had ten new people that just got like. There's all you're always juggling. You're going to miss some things. What are some other parallels you've noticed from the creative individuals to the creative organization? Mm. Oh, the creative organization. Yeah, I think. Um, hmm. I mean, I think it's interesting the fact that this is. And then this is something that I've seen a lot in my profession is the fact, kind of like what you just said, that people are people's roles are changing a lot, and people and what people choose to do with their careers is changing. You know, and then people are are at people are realizing that they don't have to be just one thing, and they can have a creative organization, like you said. And you know, like I said, this is one thing I came into the journalism field. Um, just really loving to write and loving to love, loving the reporting process, loving talking to people. But through that, you know, I've managed to segue into uh, doing video work, doing podcasts. Um, I'm even like ghostwriting some novels for some people. So you know, you take you take that basic skill of writing and writing and interviewing people, and you can branch out into so many different things. You can you can create that creative organization, like you said. And I think that that's one thing that a lot of a lot of people are realizing that they don't have to just do that one thing. And Roman Coppola is a really interesting example hmm. because he, you know, son of Francis Ford Coppola, you know, legend, legendary film director. And he started off in film directing, but then he realized that, yes, he can do it. He's done like maybe two, three films, but he was like, my talents are best used when trying to solve other people's creative problems. And so like his one of his good friends, fellow director Wes Anderson, called him his creative Swiss Army knife. Mm. And he said that that's that's where he gets the most creative fulfillment in helping other helping people solve their creative problems. And actually after um I don't know if you'd want me to tell this, but I do. Now especially do. No, but he 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 brought up the idea after this wasn't on the episode of the podcast. This was like um like he mentioned it after that he was interested in I know, right? <laughs> he was interested in, um, in trying to figure out a way how to help 
like CEOs and you know companies, whether it's like an internal video or presentation or external, tell their stories a bit better, like tell their stories in a more cinematic way. And I thought that that was such a great idea. And so like he's he's he still does films occasionally, but he's managed to working in the industry. He's found ways to use his skill set in these different ways yeah. and create this creative organization like again like you said and so i think it's I, I i i find that so interesting the fact that you know you can take this one skill set and you know shine it through a prism and you have all these other options right have you found like with the either family or legacy of creative you know you mentioned like the couples for instance mm-hmm. part of it is, and i've even on my show i've had like brent bushnell and nolan bushnell and it's just mm-hmm. like looking at the dynamic of what you've gained, both good and bad, from that relationship, like right. the pressure of like, oh, that's my dad, and, the, and also the freedom of that's my dad. Like, exactly. I, you know, <laughs> right. you know. um, have you have you seen any dynamics that, that come up in the, in the show? Hmm. Yeah, I think you know. I'm trying to think of someone outside of uh, outside of Roman. Um, well, you know who I was thinking of is yeah. uh, the woman from RCA. Um, uh, the oh. Uh, Camille, yours. yes, yeah, and I, I, I'm listening to her talk about her mentor, the mm-hmm. woman, and you know, talking about she alluded to some personality management things, mm-hmm. but also <laughs> you know, starkingly amazing creativity. But then also now I have to go out on my own. She was yeah. her assistant, right? I think right. yeah, she was yes. the director's assistant. Yeah, and so she decided, like you know, you take what you learned and also put yourself into the future. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Camille York, who is, I want to say she's a top executive at RCA Records, and she basically uh, is tasked with helping artists uh, realize their creative visions, whether it's for a vision, like an album or a music video, whatever it might be. And so long ago, she was the assistant to a legendary music video director. And I'm blanking on the woman's name now. This is... uh, I can't remember his name, but I'm she, just gonna leave you hanging too. I know, no, it's like, fine. I'm, no, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, no, but is she that was sweat. Is that sweat? It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice glow. That's a little glisten. Uh, yeah, she was basically assistant to this like very, very iconic uh, music video director who I cannot remember the name of now. But she uh, was kind of under her shadow and like you know picking up picking up tools like lessons and tools of the trade. And it was you know with her, it was a man. It was a it was thinking. Okay, I have all these things. I could go and be a music video director, um, but is that the right fit for me? Like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. Um, and I think with her, she she decided to go the route of again helping other people realize their uh, creative visions, and less from less from the director's chair and more from like the executive uh, the executive part of it. So you know, she 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 could have had a career in doing music videos, but then she just segued into doing more of the executive the executive work. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's 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 I do think there's something to playing up to your strengths and know, knowing what your strengths are because you know there's some people who you know going back to you know Roman Coppola like he knows that like he's you know he's a decent filmmaker he's okay but he didn't let his ego get in the way of saying like I must have my name on this film right. you know he was like I 
I get more fulfillment and I feel of better use whenever I'm helping somebody else with their vision. Yeah, even as you're talking about, like, to, that's almost like the greatest insight for me. Because, <laughs> you know, at least the way it's articulated. Because yeah. I think we all have a vision of how our career should go mm-hmm. or how the project should be hmm. or how the client's going to respond. Oh, that and, vision. And then, you know, like being open to multiple iterations. Yes. Right? The multiverse. Exactly. It's like uh, exactly. Miles Morales. Oh my God! Listen, that movie. <laughs> I was I was actually I was kind of pissed off when it was first announced. I was like, well, this is the first time Miles is being introduced, and he's a cartoon, which I love animated. I love animated films. I think it's such a it's a genre that's often overlooked. But I was just like, I want a live action Miles Morales movie. But I saw I went to a screening of it, and I was blown yeah. away. I actually talked to uh, the visual effects team behind it for a story, and yeah, they had to they had to like break systems that they were using before and recreate new ways of animation because they were doing things that they've just never done before. And it shows because that movie is a trip. It's, it's <laughs> like it's, it literally is just a moving comic book. Oh, my God. It's like everything you would have hoped for. Like if, if yes. somebody took a comic book and like literally just taped it up on a screen I and, and said, move. Openly <laughs> cheered when it, when it took home like best animated film with the Oscars. Yeah. I, was, I was rooting so hard for that movie. And you, and I was glad, you know, no no shade to you know Disney Pixar. But, you know, I did another story. Ooh, slap my Thunder. Mic. I know. I'm like, I'm gesticulating. Everyone. <laughs> um, I did another uh, another article while ago talking about you know why indie films are often celebrated in at the oscars in the live action category and you don't see like much commercial films but then the opposite is true for animated films like it's usually like these super commercial disney pixar films and like gorgeously animated beautiful stories like the breadwinner or uh loving vincent these things are overlooked when it comes to animation and like yeah. why is that and it basically comes down it comes down to the fact that people still think of animation as um like they just odd they just say like oh my kid likes it it's like the academy voters like literally just like <laughs> oh my kid watched coco yeah let's vote for it and then they don't really look and coco is a it's a beautiful story but i feel like you know animation is very expansive and have you ever watched uh, adam adam ruins everything no that's been on my list that's true tv right yeah, yeah. you should totally watch because he, he did a really great job of even because he demystifies these th- these systems right like uh-huh. that, that insight that you just gave is like oh of course like it's not you're not looking at the cinematic quality and the right. storytelling you're like did these people like it yeah okay, exactly, sure. exactly. Uh, they saw it yeah he said it was good um but even he did that with film ratings oh, and he's yeah. like how the no one knows who the committee is that decides it oh yeah the, it's like yeah. the illuminati or something it's yeah it's like this shadowy organization that's just like oh <laughs> Wait, like what did I say? Like, what, what did I say? It's like what boob slipped out. This uh, isn't that bad. <laughs> Which movie is that? I want to see that one. Um, the and I'm gonna get, get myself into social trouble. Um, speaking of content, um, there's an article on Fast Company now about uh, Elon's Musk, Elon Musk's um, apparent move to have streaming content in the Teslas, Netflix, oh. YouTube's of the world. Oh lord. Um, you know, what's what's your take on that and other similar types of moves? I mean, having just as long as he's not trying to start his own streaming platform, because that would, okay, it, I, it can happen. It you does, just you just opened up uh, a Pandora's it, box right it there. It ought not happen, um, only because <laughs> I feel like the the streaming industry is so fragmented already. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that it, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. I feel like you know you. It seems like he's obviously trying to capitalize on this whole idea that, you know, people always say there's all these studies done, like we spend X amount of time on our phones, it's always increasing. 
and people are, you know, streaming Netflix on their phone, looking at YouTube videos. So, I mean, it, it, I guess the logical next step is if, you know, you would have it in your car, you know, right. it's like for people not necessarily in New York, but for people who in, in cities and states like where driving is more, you know more accessible uh yeah i mean i think it, it makes sense it's something that i don't necessarily uh stand behind why not though? um well that's the thing i i just feel like i i'm the type of person that when i don't have to look at a screen i do not like right. i ju- i just don't i actually it's so funny because you know i cover entertainment here and i feel like i'm the first person to just like shut my laptop or shut my phone or just turn my phone off and just like not i just i really i can take a walk take that (laughs) stroll take that iconic stroll but i feel like um it's one of those things like where i i have to bake in time not to look at something because i spend my entire day answering emails on slack um just doing a million things where i feel like i'm just giving some just all so much of myself to this screen and so i i'm actively uh baking in time during my day where i don't do anything so if i if, if i were in a car i would i wouldn't want to be watching anything yeah. honestly like I, I i would just want to you know listen to enya or something or smooth What's funny? Yeah, i mean i i agree with you right I, and i'm a big fan of taking yeah. breaks and i like look i have two kids my daughter who's 14 just got a cell phone because i was like nope wow good um, for you yeah that i was just trying, like the same sort of like learn how to connect with people first right and uh, and i think sometimes there's also as a phrase i like which is it's not that people don't like change they don't like transition mm-hmm. and if you know i'm sure there was a point in time when somebody's like wait you're gonna put the radio in the car of i course. like the sunday drive i oh, just want to listen to the birds absolutely and now absolutely. look what we do right yeah. i mean obviously keeping your eyes on the road is important but i think tesla is set up really great because you know, it's an autonomous vehicle. Mm-hmm. So the you know, looking at the vehicle as a, almost like a mixed use space. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have a meeting, um, do a video chat, watch some content of while you're right. driving from LA to Las Vegas or, right. you know, uh some something like that. So I get the direction of where he's going. Mm-hmm. And I, but then I say I think at the same time, and I, maybe this has popped up in some of your conversations, um, almost like safeguarding. Like we we been through all the potholes yeah. as far as like, oh, there's a downside to everything. So mm-hmm. now we can start to plan ahead of it. And have you yeah. seen sort of like a shift in the creative approach and mm. like the, and how people are considering certain inputs? Hmm. That's interesting from the creative angle. Um, yeah. I feel like there's been, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, creative safeguards to where technology is headed. Honestly, it's there's been this um from the true creative space. I mean, if you look at a show like Black Mirror, you mm-hmm. know, like where the, I've I've seen a lot there's actually another one called Upgrade. It was a small indie film by the team that Oh, made, like, I wanted to see it. So it was it's good. been on my list for so long. It was good. It was really really good actually. Um and I think that in terms and then of Venom the, came up. Yeah, and then oh. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> like, we, oh, wait, we, we made that movie. We will we will talk about that. Yeah. Um but I think, you know, when it comes to when it comes to even just questioning, even something as fantastical as like Black Mirror, right? It's it's I think even just having those conversations about like what what we're giving what we're giving of ourselves to technology and what technology is doing to us, having those conversations being brought about through an entertainment 
an entertainment lens, I think is I think is very powerful because I mean, like, think about all the all the TV shows, you know, uh, fictional fictional TV shows that are bringing about some type of you know social change or some or starting some type of conversation. Um, so honestly, that's what I've been kind of seeing arise in, and is people making these uh, social commentaries about technology and like what it's doing to us and how it's impacting us. Um, yeah, and I think I mean what w- how that will translate into into something more direct like laws or something or you know or yeah. or, or, or I mean Facebook some form is, of regulation Facebook is it, going through it. yeah some form of some form of regulation how that plays out I think I I would venture to guess that you know seeing having these documentaries having these TV shows having these films um, bring up these conversations I do think it's impactful I I truly truly do I mean like you look at something like Orange Is the New Black mm-hmm. which you know has long been uh, long been bringing up issues outside of the fact of you know it being celebrated for having such a diverse cast and you know like having uh, women of different ages and you know gender identities and all these types of stuff. That's great, but the real the real thrust of the show has just been advocating for you know prison prison rights specifically you know women's prison rights and prisoner rights and the thing is with season season seven they launched the the puse washington fund you know so it's like they have the fictional character played by samira wiley um they're raising money for various uh prison reform uh associations organizations um tackling like recidivism and 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 making sure that you know that these that these human beings have the rights that they're that they deserve even when they're incarcerated and you know, you had like Piper Kerman, like the creator, like testify before Congress and, you know, testify before, you know, um, like different committees and raising all this awareness based off of a, based off of a memoir that was turned into a show. And yes, as entertaining as it is, it is you can see these changes happening yeah. in the real world. So that's what I see in terms of technology. I do think that, you know, these shows and movies um, as fictional and fantastical as they may be sometimes do serve a purpose. Yeah, no, it's, it's how can you leverage and or motivate your mm-hmm. audience, exactly. even if you're just having a laugh, right? Yeah. Like, it's, um, that's great. You know, uh, I was at um, Ken Lyons mm-hmm. in, in a, a, a short while ago, and that was one of the, like, the biggest theme was, like, brands that were making an impact. And it wasn't so much like that was an assignment. Yeah. It just so happened that so, the majority of the best creativity had an angle, like you just mentioned, mm-hmm. where, like, we are actually making a difference. One of my favorite examples was Ikea um, introduced a line of uh, furniture for persons with disability. Mm. And so, you know, if you think about, like, you getting up off your couch mm-hmm. or turning the light on or opening a door, it's like right. it's different for 1.2 billion people around the world, right? Absolutely. And so to think through, like, oh, we have a, this amazing superstore and, and delicious meatballs. <laughs> Why can't we? And well, they, those meatballs <laughs> cause a little bit of controversy. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But they, but they, they launched it in, you know, in 117 countries right. so far um but this is my that was my way of segueing into the next thing i want to talk to you about User. uh vidcon comic con essence festival like we just kind of Oof. are at the cusp of a, a wrap of a just a really amazing mm-hmm. like season of gatherings yeah um and what have you seen change like over time and like how brands and or attendees are com- complex con is another one um are experiencing the real world mm. i mean honestly it's the, the biggest thing i've seen is just the rise in all of those like and, all, and the rise in all of these conferences because like even those big ones that you named that that do have uh some history behind them like they have been you know put on for a couple of years i've just been seeing so many different brands organizations, companies, whatever it is, 
putting on their own version of like experiential. Like they, everyone's all about yeah, like pop sugar. Did one, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Pop sugar. Finder Clayton. 29 has one. It's like everybody's doing it. And I think that that speaks to the fact of, and actually I, I'm, I just got assigned a story. Um, Twitter has, Twitter's doing, uh, what is it called? Um, where they're doing these live meetups. Trump fest. Um, no. Woof. <laughs> oh, Come on down to Trump Fest. Oh no, sir. Uh, yeah, they're doing these like live meetups where you can, you know, they had like a dinner party in Detroit and then you know Sao Paulo or something like that, like where they you walk, you step inside a box and you see this like giant like you know floor to ceiling screen and you're having a conversation uh, with somebody halfway across the world. Another company that does it. It's um, uh, Shared Studios. Yeah, Shared Studios. Yeah. But that pro- particular product, they made these gold yes. uh, containers. Exactly. Yes. That's exactly I, what it I, is. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of that company. Yeah, so I feel like it, that kind of just speaks to this idea of, of people wanting something outside of just their phone or their timeline. You know, I think, and so as saturated as I think the the live event space has become, I do think there's something to it. You know, I think, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, VidCon or Essence Fest or any of these things, it does, there is some, there is some joy that I have in seeing people step outside of, you know, like I said, just their timelines or their feeds or anything like that and meeting people in the real world and yeah. like having that shared experience. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I've seen, just the rise in all of these festivals yeah. and all these cons. Um, but well, what, I, what I like about it too, uh, you know, I think, I think it actually fuels creativity, right? I think mm-hmm. the, the more competitive a space becomes, right? And like, yeah. I only have $600 I'm going to spend this year on experiences. No. And then it's like, well, we got one over here. And so <laughs> the creativity that goes into um, the design and the human-centered yeah. design thinking and the experiences you want to create. I'm just thinking of um, BuzzFeed's recent Internet Live. Did you hear about this? Uh-uh. So BuzzFeed, so again, BuzzFeed wants to enter into the live event space, and they had this uh, this event called Internet Live, which is just uh, oxymoronic if you ask me. But it was um, basically they had the most random assembly. They had like the Damn Daniel kids. They had Snooki and Jay Wow. They had Lil Nas X. Yeah, it was the most random smattering of celebrities. And one of uh, one of my colleagues went, and um, and she was like, Yeah, this was like. There were, there were some bright spots in it, but it was mostly like, what are they doing? Like, what is this? And so I think it was the first year doing it, so I'm not going to be too harsh. But I do feel like you're completely right in that, like, because the spaces become so saturated, like, that that makes people step outside of, you know, what they would normally do. But sometimes it can go completely left and you just, you know, wind up with C-list meme stars <laughs> at your event, <laughs> which I just don't get it. But hey, whatever. It's, it, it, it's not, sometimes it's not for me to get. You know, not every live event is is going to be for me. Well, I, that I mean, definitely wasn't for me. I can almost see where you know we we do we're gawkers, right? Mm-hmm. We we like, and then it, when it becomes like, what happened to? Or, oh yeah, I forgot about like that's yeah. for instance. <laughs> I remember I uh, I met Lou Ferrigno. At, oh wow! At, at like when? Wizard World. This is years ago. What? Um, <laughs> and a friend of mine who's like a comic book nerd. I was just going and like, oh okay, okay yeah. I'll tag along. And I, at the time, I was working at the New York Film Academy, and we would always book like guest speakers and right. stuff like that. And um, and I was like, oh, I just had a conversation with Lou Ferrigno, and it it, it it was like this weird nostalgic feeling of doing it. And the the actual funny part of the story was that I was like. He, I said, is he Italian? Like, he's a real Italian. He, he talks funny. And my, my friend goes, he's deaf. And I was like, he's deaf. Like, I just had this 15-minute conversation with the Hulk to only learn afterward that he, he was hard of hearing. 
And I was like, oh, but the, you know, uh, but there is how did that fit in your mouth? Taste? Like, <laughs> I, I put my foot in my mouth all the time. I, I'm like a, a black Larry David. Um, all right, so. <laughs> Any sort of the last thing, I guess the last thing I, I want to ask you before we wind is um, out of all your conversations and things you've covered recently, I guess, mm-hmm. um, is there any particular creative hack that you've employed mm. and tried or tested or tried and failed? Wow. Um, hmm. Based off my conversations, um, actually, I don't. I mean, <laughs> it's not even a hack, but um, hmm. Honestly, closing my laptop and taking a walk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I don't, no, 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 no. It, I think it, it could be because it was. Well, go ahead. No, Sorry. I was gonna say. I mean, I will say that. Um, I mean, this. It's not even. A, it's. I wouldn't even say it's a hack. It's just common sense. Is um really taking the time to unplug like I am like I mentioned earlier like I, I bake in time during my everyday um, to just turn off my screen but I recently had a work trip in Italy and then I went straight into vacation and I didn't check I turned off all the notifications on like text and or text messaging whatsApp all that did not check my email complete 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 digital detox and when I tell you I came back to work on Monday and I'm st- I'm still feeling good like I f- yeah. I still feel like refreshed and rejuvenated because I had that because I had that break I was yeah. I wasn't I didn't have to respond to anyone I wasn't having to you know think about these things even just like replying to a text like I so I just feel like it, it's not I don't even think it's a hack I keep smacking this mic I don't even think it's a hack but I just think it's something that is the most recent thing I think of is just completely abandoning well, I think, like, I think, you know, not that I'm, I'm, I'm no neuroscientist right. but uh, you know there's something to be said about clearing the clutter that's exactly, right? as, exactly. As we were joking before we started recording about the Marie Kondo thing and it's, yeah. I think you have to do the same thing with your head Completely. you know um, even like at, at a point in time where I was like I started meditating and, mm-hmm. and, and you know the task of meditating on a specific thing was almost too much. And then uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Kyle Cease, comedian mm-hmm. yeah. turned transformational speaker, he said, uh, he's like, Med- just keep meditating on nothing. Like the idea of nothing. Like just cl- like if it's 10 minutes, and instead of like repeating a mantra over exactly. and over, it's just like let the thoughts go away. And like you'd be surprised you come out of that 10, 20 minutes with just unbridled, you know, right. levels of creativity. I mean, and think, and apply that over the course of like you know eight days of just you know yeah floating in the adriatic sea like it was yeah. wonderful like it was great so did I you like... did you meet mysterio no all right that's God. enough spider-man and... <laughs> we're gonna talk we're gonna talk off I, I did not care for that movie oh okay okay uh <laughs> hey everybody this has been another installment of innovation crushes fast company fridays here with Casey Ifani. Thank you so much for joining us. Nailed it again. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I had to look at my notes, fun. but I, I did it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon.